You are listening to Fantasy Film Ball with Matt and Dylan, and on this show, we turn movies into sports and look at all the Oscar prospects and their fantasy value. I believe that this is going to win Best Picture, and here's why. I mean, Denis Villeneuve got all the nominations he needed for Dune and still missed out on the Best Director slot. Don't let me get my hopes up. The Academy has disappointed me too many times. Thank you to the Academy. Thank you to all of you in this room. I can't remember the last time I walked out of the movie theater on such a high. No matter how certain it seems, anything can happen on nominations morning. Never count the Golden Globes for just doing something off the walls and bonkers. It's the kind of movie that reminds me of why I fell in love with movies. And the Oscar goes to... Welcome to episode 40 of Fantasy Film Ball. My name is Dill. And my name is Matt, and this is a show where we turn movies into sports, and sports is something we don't talk about here. The Oscars just happened, man. The I Oscars know. just happened. How are you doing? So, listeners of the show know that I probably am a little upset in some categories, but I'm really happy to say like, I mostly agree with a Best Picture winner, and I haven't felt like that since I've really been into the whole Oscars, like I love Birdman, but that was like the first year I really like paid attention. And so since Birdman, their winner has not been like my top two or top three choices. So uh, mm. that's a lie. I love Moonlight. Moonlight was my choice that year. But besides Moonlight, um, every other choice has not been like up there for me. So I'm just happy to say like, yeah, I do love the Best Picture winner. That's that's great to hear. I, we're going to get into all of our reactions for all of the awards very very shortly but before then we always start with a question always 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 and do you want to hit me with a question of the week i know you you came up with this question so what uh what do you got for us today i i, I did and it was inspired by you actually for everyone who's not Ooh. in the discord i mean you should you should be in the discord but join the discord matt went to doing? an oscar party to watch the awards and he got to go to an oscar costume party so it was, it was elevated so my question to everyone out there and to start off with matt is what character would you dress up to as an Oscar party? Because at least to me, when I hear that question, you have to be an Oscar-nominated movie, even though I've seen people like online who go to these who dress up as like Megan or stuff that wasn't nominated. So like to me, I feel like you have to be a nominee. But I guess I'll leave it open. So, so any 2022 uh, yeah. movie character. I know who well, you, you were, but share with who. You got to save Megan till next year when it wins Best Picture. Oh, true. And Megan the Cocaine Bear, they tie. Universal. Exactly. Just, just, they just win. Screw Robin Hood. Exactly. Yeah, I went as Sammy Fableman. I put on a plaid shirt, uh, and I brought my Bolex camera, which is like, uh, Sammy shoots with an 8mm Bolex camera, but I, I have a 16mm Bolex camera, and I carried it around. Uh, and my fiance Sierra, who was on the show to talk about Tar and women talking, she went as Nellie Leroy from... Uh, Babylon and she uh she like frizzed her hair out and uh like painted with makeup a uh, snake bite on her neck and we we couldn't find a snake stuffed animal so we bought a duck uh chew toy and then used felt to make it into a snake it was kind of ridiculous but we got to the Oscar party where we'd been told people were going to be dressing up and no one was dressed up so oh, like no yeah well cuz we were told it was a costume party and then we were like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And then the host texted me, and he was like, actually, no one's dressing up. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I guess we'll abandon that. And then, like, <laughs> on Saturday, he was like, actually, everyone's dressing up again. Like, we're, we're doing the whole thing. We're doing it. Like, come dressed up. And and then I got there, and no one, no one dressed up, not even the host. But, I, I mean, 
it, it, we weren't like in all blue or whatever. Um, here's here's my pitch though. I think that the best costume would be to go wearing a full suit with a conductor's baton, but painted entirely blue, so you could yes. be Avatar. Yes, that would be a great one. And I feel your pain with going to a costume party where no one dressed up. I am a very much an overdresser when I go places. Like I've gone to concerts. Yeah, you're a mascot. <laughs> I, I have been a mascot in the past, but like I've gone to concerts yeah. dressed as like a character or the artist or something. And for Halloween, I was very much more dressed up than everyone else was. So to me, I would take this super serious. And my favorite of the Oscar nominees is avatar the way of water so of course i would be loak but that's a little that's a little hard and i don't want to be blue for the next week and a half (laughs) to to, to tone it down a little bit i guess i would be everyone's favorite fearless hero puss in boots so you get the hat you you get you get the the cape you have your sword and you're set to go that's pretty that's a very good one you seem like the type of guy who would have the sickest halloween costumes I never got to really do Halloween growing up because of, like, my height. I got out of it pretty quickly. Like, I think I had to stop once I hit middle <laughs> school. Um, so the last thing I went as Halloween, I which... I still pull off Halloween. Uh, I'm short as hell. <laughs> the last Halloween I went to as a kid, I was Zorro because I loved Zorro as a kid. So it fits with the whole oh Puss God, in Puss Boots. Oh, my God, Puss in Boots. Yeah. Puss in Boots. Um, Puss but in Boots this... is just better Zorro. On the topic of Navi, we're at the end of the film ball season. So don't be like me and draft the Navi because they do not equate to Oscar film ball points. But you know what movie does? No. The movie that Matt drafted first overall and won him our podcast league with. Everything, everywhere, all at once has one best picture. And not just that, it is the highest scoring film in the game of film ball of all time. Uh, and we we haven't calculated this all the way to the beginning of the Oscars. I've only gone through just to the very beginning of when, you know, the preferential ballot started when we expanded to 10 nominees. So since there's been 10 nominees, everything ever all at once has scored the highest of anything. Uh, the previous record holder was La La Land with 2,714 points. But everything ever all at once has scored 2,784 points, meaning it is the biggest film in the history of the film ball game. It is absolutely incredible how high this film scored. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Like, even when I drafted it first round, I was not expecting a uh, the biggest film in the history of this game. I wasn't. I was expecting something that would perform pretty well. I mean, for those who don't follow the game specifically, the way that this game works is you collect points through the season, through the different awards shows, and yada, yada, yada. You, you get the point, right? You, you get the points through just performing well at these shows, and oh my god, it performed so much better than I expected. So yes, in the pod league, I came first place, but Everything Everywhere was not the only key to my success. I also had Tar, which performed extremely well. That was the third highest scoring film in the game, uh, just underneath Banshees of Inisherin, which came second place with a very respectable uh, 1,700 points. And then I also have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, scored very well. Living scored very well. And then I had a bunch of flops. So really, it was my first four films that carried me through this game. But truly, everything ever all at once, I wouldn't have been able to do anything without it. And 
just for any of the listeners out there who are in our Discord, again, you can join next year's game of Fantasy Film Ball if you join our Discord, but we are going to go through and announce the winners of every single league here. We won't go too in detail, but uh, if you're out there listening and you're playing, then just know we salute you and we will mention you and your victory right here. So the first league, the Australia-Asia League, this one went to Eddie. Eddie had a total of 5,501 points, uh, and Eddie had everything ever all at once. Of course, the key to victory in any league, but Eddie followed that up by also having Avatar The Way of the Water. The Navi! Uh, <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water, his two Best Picture nominees. Um, and then here's the thing. Eddie here won in his league while having Morbius and Black Adam and 365 Days This Day on his team. Uh, so it really shows that you can just go all in on the meme picks if you have a film that sweeps like everything everywhere all at once. That doesn't happen every year, though. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't count on uh, on picking Morbius and winning every year. You know what I mean? I, when, I mean, when Two Morb, Two Furious comes out, that's going to be a first overall pick. It's just unbeatable. Absolutely. Absolutely unbeatable. So let's move over to America Central. Now we do these leagues by time zones so that we can get the drafts done in a reasonable amount of time. So this is America Central. And the winner of this league is Jeff the Movie Man. Uh, Jeff Movie Man ended up with 5,542 points. Now here's a fun fact. Out of all these leagues that I'm going to tell you about, America Central is the only league where the winning team did not have everything everywhere all at once. Just let that sink in. <laughs> this is the only league where everything everywhere all at once did not lead to a uh, runaway victory. So in this league, Jeff's team was composed of Elvis in first, then followed that up by Triangle of Sadness, the Banshees of Inisherin, the Batman... Don't worry, darling. Cha-cha real smooth. Bros, Marcel the Shell, RRR. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. And, you know, he's he's got EO on the team as well. But really, let's just say that the, the success here is Elvis, Triangle of Sadness, Banshees. Those are three great, great first picks. Well done, Jeff. Uh, you are the one person that beat the odds. And Jeff did it a very interesting way as well. Like, he didn't have everything everywhere, but he didn't originally have Triangle of Sadness. He used that trade feature to dish off She Said when people were still high on it and take Triangle when it was a little lower down. And that ended up giving him an extra 300 points in the game. And if you look at the standings, he won by only about 200. So that trade right there made his season. I really like our America West winner because they're just proving like, hey, Dylan, you don't know how to draft. You can draft my bad movies and still win because I'll, I'll let you read off our winner, what they all had on their roster. Absolutely. So in America West, our winner right here is Fossil. Now, Fossil uh, has everything all at once. <laughs> we're, we're not going to uh, pretend that they don't because, like I said, there's only one league where the winner did not have everything ever all at once so we've got everything ever all at once now here's a fun fact about this league this was the sixth pick fossil was the last round pick of this game and here they are just winning walking away with it fossil just walked away with the win 2000 by 2000 points at once 
sixth pick overall. That's incredible. Yeah, 6,368. That is amazing. But outside of everything, everywhere, all at once, Fossil's team is also comprised of Bardo. Bardo. Your big, your big regret. And then the whale, another great pick. 570 points for the whale is pretty amazing overall. She said, didn't do too poorly. Fire of Love, also a pretty strong pick. Turning Red, another great, great pick. And then All Quiet on the Western Front, another great one. Getting that in, like, that's seventh place. Seventh pick on that team, 42nd overall, All Quiet on the Western Front. Pretty amazing. And then finishing that off with Strange World, The Northmen, and All the Beating the Bloodshed. Uh, so Fossil, well done. That is a very strong, very even team. Only one film under 100 points. Well done, Fossil. And to backpack off of that, you get a total of 15 movies once you include your waivers. And 11 of their movies got an Oscar nomination. So that's pretty good drafting. That's fantastic. I didn't even notice that stat. That's really, that's just a solid team overall. Okay, let's move to America East, where we have the reigning champion of film ball, Kathy, who is over in America East, won last year, dominated last year, actually, I would say, uh, got the either the highest or the second highest overall score in all leagues. And here she is again, crushing it. Uh, Kathy, the humble queen of film ball. Um, Kathy's team is stacked. Yes. I don't know what else to tell you. This team is nuts. Uh, I believe Kathy might be the only person to have crossed 7,000 points. And Kathy didn't just cross 7,000 points. Kathy shattered 7,000 points. With a team scoring a total of 7,625 points, Kathy's team is comprised of everything, everywhere, all at once. First overall, Tar, which those are my first two picks, followed by Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, my first, first three, three picks. But here's where it gets different, and here's where Kathy succeeded where I didn't quite rise to the heights. Kathy followed that up with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and After Sun. Three incredibly high scorers. None of them got in Best Picture, but they were all in the conversation, and they all scored over 500 points, meaning that Kathy's team was an unstoppable juggernaut through the entirety of award season. Well done, Kathy, the queen of film ball. Uh, you win another very deserved prize right here. And to continue then, the trend of every league that has a winner uh they have a movie from my team that did not win because i want to dance with somebody the rightful best actress winner naomi aki is represented on kathy's team that's awesome i mean (laughs) it's one that we we definitely thought was going to be a lot bigger than it is now i've just been proven wrong i said that i thought kathy might be the only one past seven thousand. just been proven wrong uh over in america east two tristan french uh tristan got 7,175 points, and this team is very strong. Tristan is killing it. Uh, Everything Ever All at Once, followed by your passion pick, Avatar, The Way of Water. Then, Banshees of Inisharan. Again, in this team, you've got the highest scoring and the second highest scoring films right there as a 1-3 punch. Pretty insane. Followed by All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Till, Wendell and Wild, After Sun, a Jazzman's Blues, very Ooh. funny pick right there. 
uh, Holy Spider and Bones and All, which rounds out a very stellar team. Yeah, I mean, this team's great. And in addition to that, in the waivers, they had a pretty good waiver. They picked up all that breeze, an additional 218 points to the roster. So what we're seeing here is people drafting really well early on. Maybe that's everything everywhere. Maybe it's pairing it with something like Tar or Banshees, but they also have a pretty good waiver period as well, snagging up mm-hmm. a best documentary, probably runner-up in number three, which got over the 200-point mark, which is pretty good for a dog. Mm-hmm. Now, over in the Latin America League, we have another 7,000-point breaker. And surprise, surprise, everyone. (laughs) Everything ever all at once is on this team, too. This is Mariano. And Mariano, uh, his team comprises of everything ever all at once. Third pick overall, followed by the menu, uh, which was a trade. Uh, I'm not too sure what the trade was actually for. I can find it here in a second. Um, (laughs) What pick would that be? Uh, good question, man. Uh, uh, there's so many trades in this league. Yeah, there's. Uh, let's seven, just not. Eight, nine, we're ten. not even gonna focus on what this was. I have no idea what this was supposed to be. There was like a hundred trades in this league, no so clue. I don't know. I have no idea what it's supposed to be. But the menu is here, as well as Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, the Banshees of Inisherin, Turning Red, Close, Navalny, Aftersun, The Eternal Daughter, and Moon Age Daydream. Pretty great team. Honestly, I think it's the one-two punch there of Everything Ever All at Once and the Banshees of Nesharen. But let's look at some of the... I just want to go through some of the crazy trades in this league. Uh, I think someone traded, someone traded Babylon for the Fablemans here? Yes, someone traded Babylon for the Fablemans. Someone also traded uh, Tar for Top Gun Maverick. And wow. someone... Tra- so let me get that trade correct. They traded... Tar and decision to leave for Top Gun Maverick and Nope. Wow. A big swing yeah. there. Um but uh yeah, this is the league of the trades. Every team had at least one and uh some people really benefited from them, some people did not benefit from them. Yes, and I think Mariano's key to victory might have been only doing one trade. I do wish I could figure out what it was for the, that trade. Oh, it, it was, was Empire of Light. It was the Sun, actually. Uh, oh, was it the Sun? Actually, no. You're right. No, no. It, it was. It was pick it nine. It was Empire of Light for the menu. Yeah, pick ten. Yes. Uh, and honestly, actually, Empire of Light did get more points than the menu. Empire of Light didn't perform poorly, so it wouldn't have changed uh, anything big for Mariano. Mariano did win, but let's move to the next league. We've got the Europe League. Mostly, it's kind of weird uh, calling this the Europe League because it's like 90% the Brits in this league. Uh, the Brits are really, really killing it over here. And the winner in the Europe League is Gaslin, who is actually... Um, yeah, he, he's he's over in like uh, very very western Russia. He's over on the western front. Uh, well, that would be the eastern front actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Gaslin uh, finished his league with a total of fifty eight hundred and ninety nine points. This team is pretty damn stellar. Everything ever all at once first, followed by Top Gun Maverick. Then White Noise, a little disappointing there, but still solid 116 points. Then The Batman, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Minions, Rise of Gru, Navalny, RRR, The Northman, and Chevalier. 
A Chevalier getting zero points, proving that a zero point handicap will not cost you the game. If you have everything ever all at once. If you have everything ever all at once. And Top Gun Maverick. And a great waiver period because they got Argentina 1985 happening and Return to Soul and Emily Criminal. Four movies all with over 100 points. Yes. Very, very, very strong. Uh, and then let's move over to the Eurasia League, which comprises people all across Europe and uh, Western Asia as well. Uh, and the winner in this league right here is Le Bum Games. And Le Bum Games, once again, has everything everywhere all at once, as all the winners do, followed by Avatar The Way of Water, She Said, Till, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which is one of the biggest flops on this team, unfortunately, but it did not hold Le Bum from winning, uh, followed by Causeway, The Wonder, The Lost King, which did not get a meta score, so it ended with a measly 13 points, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and Broker. Very well done, Le Bum. That is a, a very stellar team. I just I want to quickly go over one last league. This is not really important. This is not our Discord uh, league. I don't want to say it's not important. This is the one that I play with my friends. Uh, we've uh, this is how we originated the game. We started playing it in university. Uh, that's where Arno is from, and uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out. Arno and I had first and second pick, and Arno's first pick. <laughs> was Empire of Light. <laughs> Yay! And my first pick was Babylon. It, was there like um, a rule you couldn't pick what you already had, or did you just do it to have something different? No, I, I decided to pick something different because I was like, oh, I've already got everything everywhere. I'll try something different here. You know what? Like, I was like, oh, screw it. Like, I'll try to uh, change my team up a little bit. And so I went with Babylon instead and the team that won is Josh. Josh, who was on the show to talk about the Fablemans just a few weeks ago. Uh, Josh took Bardo first round. <laughs> yes, first Bardo round. champion. Bardo, fifth overall, first round. He took Bardo. And there you go. Bardo, first round. And he still won. Because you know Not what me. his second pick was? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, ever all at once. Everything, ever all at once. Second pick. Uh, this went eighth overall in this league. Uh, it went after White Noise, Bardo, Women Talking, The Fablemans, Babylon, and Empire of Light, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once. What a crazy difference. I think actually in this league, I was kind of hoping that Everything Everywhere All at Once would make it back to me, because I think I was hoping that uh, none of my friends from school were going to think that it had a chance of winning. <laughs> I mean, it almost did, but luckily, you know, the Bardo connection here, we know what's up. Yeah, you, you guys know what's up. You know what's up there for sure. Um, so, yeah, that, that wraps us up. That is the film ball game. We hopefully will have a wrap-up episode for our league where we bring back all of the players, bring back Brother Bro, bring back Film Drunk, and talk about what went down, what we would have changed, what we would have done differently. Uh, but yes, that's that's our wrap-up. And for all those out in the Discord, um, good game, guys. You all did great. Uh, mostly, you all did great. Uh, if you didn't, you know who you are. You can do better next year. Do better next year, please. <laughs> my my um, word of advice... Everyone, my word of advice for next year, you want to do well, we all know what movie you got to draft. Got to draft Barbie. I was going to say Craven the Hunter, but, you know. You know, you know that, that, that's right. The Flash. The Dungeons Flash and Dragons. 
Honor Among Thieves, first overall, that is your exactly. guide to success. Chris Pine, best yeah. actor. And if you're out there listening to this right now and you're not in the Discord, join the Discord, join the game, join the fun, be a part of this because it is it's a blast. And uh, yeah, you you want to be a part of it. We're switching the game up a little bit next year, and uh, yeah, join the Discord, join in, and thank you guys so much for playing. Today we have something really special to go over because we've just wrapped up our first season of this show going over the Oscars where last year we had a very bold claim in our first ever episode made by my co-host here Matt where he predicted everything ever would go all the way to win best picture and here we are nearly a year later with that coming true. So now it's time that we do this all again. We do this all again and now we make our bold predictions for next season. But let's get right into these predictions. So if you've been following our channel, you might have seen we did a first prediction video for Best Picture right at the very beginning of the new year. It's been three months now, so we are going to dive into uh, some updated predictions and how we're going to do this. Every week, we're going to release new predictions, so keep tuned to our channel. We're going to release new predictions every week, but it's going to be different categories every week, and it's going to be a different person doing the predictions every week. So you got to stay on your toes. It's going to change constantly. We're always predicting here because the Oscar season, it never ends. It ne It's never over. It's never, it's never over. over. And this week, for our first video post-Oscars 2023, we're going to be going into the above-the-line categories. Picture, director, adapted screenplay, original screenplay, and today... Let's start off with Best Picture. I did it last time when we did our video on, uh, you know, predicting the uh, the Oscars at the very beginning of the year. But now it's your time to shine, Dylan. Best Picture, take us away. I'm really scared. I'm really nervous. Last year, I got to back this up because I'm looking over my first predictions I made last year. And I had, let me count here, Top Gun, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, Fablements, Women Talking, and Avatar all in my lineup. So I had six out of the 10 the first time I did it. So I gotta, I gotta keep it up this year. I don't feel confident at all. When I was doing this about two, three hours ago, I was making my list and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't really know what to do. Cause it's not like last year where you have a feeling about something. This year, I don't really have that feeling about any movie, but there's one, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people already have and they're singing the praises in A24. It's coming back for another best picture victory. And I have Past Lies as my number one in the best picture race at the moment. So I, I, I'm in full agreement with you. Now, here's the thing. We don't know that Past Lives is going to win best picture. We do point. not. But I think that there's, there's something that we have been overlooking for a very long time, which is that when we start to make these predictions, a lot of the time we're we're hope dicting that things will get the traction, that they will become these huge huge sensations. And I think it's okay in the absence of having one of those to to predict, oh, you know, maybe Killers of the Flower Moon will be like absolutely incredibly it'll be the best movie Scorsese's ever made and it'll win Best Picture. But here's the thing, like we know past lives is good at this point. It's the one movie that we know is apparently one of the best movies ever. <laughs> like, that's the buzz around this, is people are saying it is jaw-droppingly good. So, since we know that, we might as well... It fits the criteria for a it Best does. Picture winner. It does. And I, I guess because this is a new season, and some people may not have been here for the longest time, you should repeat that stat that you gave last year for your case for everything everywhere of, you know, yeah. the qualifications a Best Picture winner in this current era need to have. 
Yeah, so the biggest stat, the stat that is unbroken. Uh, so since 2006, 2006? Yeah, no, since 2007. Departed. Yeah, since The Departed. Since, since No Country for Old Men. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so between 2008 to now this year, every year except for one, the best picture winner has gone to a film directed by someone who has never directed a best picture nominee before. So that means that your Irishmans, your Fablemans, your West Side Stories, those don't win best picture. They they're being directed by someone who's been here before. And we see this over and over. Slumdog Millionaire, Danny Boyle never nominated before. Catherine Bigelow, Hurt Locker never nominated before. Tom Hooper uh, Michelle Hazanavicius, Ben Affleck, um, Barry Jenkins. Steve McQueen, Barry Jenkins, Tom McCarthy. The only person who was nominated a time before winning was Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu for Birdman. And the thing that's different about Birdman is it was unlike anything he had done before. So the criteria that you want to look for here, what the Oscars look for in a best picture is it's not just the best film in the category whatever best film means it's the film that feels new that feels fresh that's from an exciting voice that has something new to say that's something that they haven't seen before this is what we see every single year right even the winners that seem a bit basic coda that was a, a familiar story from the perspective of deaf and hard of hearing folk um that was something we hadn't seen before. It was a voice that we hadn't seen before. Green Book, yeah, it was a, a very average comedy, but uh, it was still, you know, you've got this guy who's been making raunchy comedies forever. He's bringing that raunchy comedy style that's something that we all know from There's Something About Mary or Dumb and Dumber, and he's putting it into uh, a sentimental biopic comedy. So you get this me mesh-up of, of everything right there, and that's why Green Book won right? It's about fresh voices. It's about showing the Academy something they have not seen before. And that's why Past Lives is going to win. I fully so agree. At this moment, I made that mistake last year. I made the big take that Avatar The Way of Water is for real. James Cameron, director winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that didn't happen. So yeah. I'm switching up this year. But with all that being said, my number two and best picture is that movie that everyone's expecting to win at this moment because they got nothing else to do. And that is Killers of the Flower Moon from Apple TV Plus and Martin Scorsese. Great pick. I mean, that's the one most people are going to say is the front runner. It's going to be the one that is going to peak on nominations morning and then just fall down. It's probably going to win the Golden Globe because they always go for the front runner like this, right? Like they did with the Fablemans. And I mean, we noticed this year that, hey... It's not filmmakers who get nominated. It's studios. So I have yeah. I have Apple TV. I have A24. So let's continue with another heavy header. We got the holdovers here from Focus Features. Paul Giamatti, he's back. Leading role. Will he win actor? I don't really know, but he's getting nominated, I I'm pretty so. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting get a little ahead of ourselves. Yes, uh, th that is for another week. But the holdovers here, I think it's pretty good for Best Picture. Right now, it's the only thing that Focus Features really has. But my number four is a movie that it could maybe pick up, and that is May-December. Currently with no distributor, mm -hmm. but as Matt mentioned in our last Best Picture episode, it has a very baby plot, baby topic, 
big stars, big director. It kind of checks off all the boxes, something like a tar that Focus Features had this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it in here at number four and number five and number six is where we have our first Warner Brothers appearance because Dune Part 2, The Color Purple, I had them both here. They're two movies who I think are pretty safe, if you can say safe, a year out for a Best Picture nomination, but neither of them really scream a winner. But I know you've been on The Color Purple train for a little bit. Yeah, uh, the color purple. I you might have you might remember from our initial video. It was my winner, uh, but you know it, it feels like it has the same sort of thing going on that Killers of the Flower Moon does, where it's one where people a year out are gonna go, oh that could win, that could win because it, it's it's been done before, it's been done, and I think that's the thing against it is that unless it's totally fresh and unless it's totally new, I don't think it will win um, because, you know, we, we've seen that before. It's, it's, uh, a story that has been nominated before, but I guess All Quiet just did it, right? All Quiet it didn't just win. came in. It didn't win. It didn't win. So you're right about that. Uh, now I want to ask you a question. Who do you think the most likely, if not Focus Features, who do you think the most likely studio to pick up May, December is? I mean, looking at least the, le the rest of this list of big people i mean apple tv already has something a24 already really has something warner has a lot universal has something searchlight does i could see netflix kind of swooping in i have them yeah. with another movie in best picture but they have two movies that are kind of like the same type of movie so may december would be something very different for them to really i don't know rise them up the ranks here for me at least yeah i i think i agree i think it's netflix a24 or searchlight is going to pick it up but I'm a little bit worried at this point that this movie hasn't been picked up yet. If we look at this point last year, a movies like Bardo didn't have a distributor yet. And clearly that was for a reason. And I'm sure there's others that I'm just misremembering at this moment. But uh, that is a little bit of a concern. But from everything that you presented last time to what I also have heard about it, it just checks off a lot of boxes. We're this far out. So it's here in my lineup. And as I should probably mention, everything after one doesn't really have an order. It's really interchangeable. Normally, I go in terms of likeliness of nominations. Right now, I'm not really doing that past lives is one everything else from two to like 15 ish i could kind of see in that <laughs> range but as we left off dune part two the color purple five and six the first dune got here i could see the second one pulling away of water and the color purple i mean if west side story couldn't win why would this win so that brings us to number seven universal oppenheimer christopher nolan i really really am skeptical about this however I don't think that Nolan's going to go out without a bang. Like, I feel like he's going to try to re not maybe not reinvent himself, but represent himself after that whole Warner Brothers blow up and the whole release of Tenet and how, I mean, I'm a Tenet defender, but how a lot of the public reacted to Tenet. I think he's really going to try to be like, hey, I'm still one of the best. And here's why. And this is really Universal's only thing at the moment. And we saw this year when they focus on something like the Fablemans, they succeed. Yeah, Oppenheimer is, uh, the, I mean, the trailers look beautiful for it. It's, I think, maybe getting ahead of myself, it's probably a likely winner for sound and uh, editing. We'll see. No, no one's weird with sound sometimes. It, it looks more like Dunkirk than it does Tenet. It does. It does. So, picking up from there, this is where I finally have Searchlight getting in. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Last year, we were both wrong with what Searchlight would uh, would push. We both said Empire of Light. It wasn't. It was Banshees, and Banshees was number two or number three, basically all season. But I have poor things down here at number eight. Yorgos Lanthimos, I know that we've said before, it's not the director, it's the studio. So, I'm kind of sitting back to see what they send to Venice. If it's this, 
this is my pick if they send something like strangers or who knows maybe magazine dreams hey come up you're my best picture representative for now but i'm staying with poor things until i have what's next very smart very smart we learned our lesson last year when banshees went to venice we should have switched to that instead of Going all in on our stupid ass, oh, Empire of Light is is Searchlight's pick. Oh my god. How could we be so wrong? Hey, you know what else I could be wrong about? Because I just was wrong about this year. I've been saying on the show a few times, like, when you need a best leading actor person, I'm your man. Anthony Hopkins, Will Smith, Joaquin Phoenix, Austin Butler. It wasn't Austin Butler. But right now, for next year, I'm saying Coleman Domingo for Rustin. So I have Netflix getting in with Best Picture for that. As we saw this year, that Best Actor, Best Picture stat was broken. So he doesn't technically need the Best Picture nomination, but I don't see him having the passion or the wave of charisma that went to Brendan Fraser this year for The Whale. So I feel like it needs that picture nomination. So I have it here at nine, but it's at number nine. It's not like it's at number two or number three. It's on the weaker side mm-hmm. for me. And I'm going to be completely honest. This number 10, I did bite from you from when you went over some <laughs> stuff a few weeks ago. Yeah. It's like, I was like, you know what? Matt made a great point. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on the train now. So I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you present what my number 10 is and what your reasoning was for that. For sure. Before I do that, though, I'm just going to say on Rustin, one of our commenters made a very valid point saying that Rustin has been pushed back a few times. That doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence in the film. So who knows? Maybe it'll be another year like All Quiet. Like last year, we were like, oh, Netflix's push is Glass Onion. It's Bardo. Bardo. And then it was All Quiet, right? So like... Rustin might not be Netflix's push, but I think we can agree. Netflix will have something in the top 10. I just don't think we know exactly, exactly. what it's going to be yet. Yeah, right? that's how I feel at this moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. So number 10 is uh, a little film. It's an Italian movie. It's called La Chimera. Now, this is directed by Oscar nominee Alice Rohrwacher, who was just nominated for Le Pupil, one of the short films. Uh, This film is being distributed by Neon, who put out a little film called Parasite and another little film called Triangle of Sadness. Now, the reason that we both have this at number 10 right here is because uh, we have a running stat of films that play can win one of the top prizes. They go along to get a package at the Oscars of Picture, Director, Screenplay, International. So I think we really have to take it seriously that something international is going to make it into Best Picture. This year, it was two films. It was All Quiet and it was Triangle. All Quiet was a bit of a shock in a way um, because Triangle, early in the year, we were like, oh, that would be the international pick uh, because it's, you know, it's the the Cannes movie and, you know, it's in English, but it's still the international pick. But then All Quiet came along too. So we have to have a film in here that is in not English, non-English language film. So there we go. And this one is very likely to play Can. It's very likely to win an award at Can, And it's being distributed by Neon, who has successfully, multiple times, pulled off a feat exactly like this. That's why we have it in La Chimera, Alice Rohrwacher. If it is not present in the Can lineup, it's out. If it is yep. not, uh, if it's not present in the winners of Can, it's out. But if it wins uh, the Palme d'Or, the Grand Prix, screenplay or director at can it is in best picture mark my fucking words and that is what i'm doing and i'm hopping on the train right here because <laughs> hey i like it 
Hey, I admit, I admit for everyone out there, it's like, why are you doing Oscar predictions right now? The last one just ended. You're so far out. I agree. Yeah, that's maybe fun. it's a little early, but it's that's fun. that's the fun of it. And you can make bold claims like this, or you can make bold claims like Coleman the Mingo winning actor for Rustin, or Don't Worry Darling, or Bardo, or Avatar The Way of Water, or everything, everywhere, all at once. No one yeah. knows. And that's the, the fun of it. You can either take your L and be like, I'm wrong, or you get a big W and you call the best picture winner a year out in advance. With all that being said, I do have a good collection of studios being represented in my best picture lineup with Warner Brothers being mm-hmm. the only studio getting two. So that brings us to our next out in line. Right now, I have the other Netflix biopic, whatever you want to call it, Maestro at number 11, Bradley Cooper. It's the second film. To me, this screams The Sun. I also had The Sun last year at my number 11, my number 12 slot when I had my first predictions. I need to see something from this first, and then I get a real feel. Like I know we had those photos. But right now, I'm feeling like Maestro could be House of Gucci. It gets that sound, not sound, it gets that hair and makeup nomination, and that's about it. And this is out on actor, mm-hmm. and this is out supporting actress, and this is out screenplay, and this is out on some text. I don't, I'm not like wishing bad luck for Bradley Cooper. That's just the, the feeling I'm getting with this movie at the moment. After that, I had the bike riders from 20th Century. Uh, maybe that Austin Butler love carries into another year. We got Strangers from Searchlight. We got Blitz from Apple TV. Apple TV is a weird one. They have so much next year. And if they were mm-hmm. all their only movie, I'd predict them all. Because they also have Ferrari. They also have Napoleon. And all of those... Oh, did they pick up Ferrari? Maybe they don't have Ferrari then. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe I just wrote that down wrong. But maybe. they also have Ferrari Napoleon. Is... Go ahead. They also have Napoleon. They also have Blitz. They're just They have so much. And I don't see all three getting in. I could see two. I could also just see Killers because that's Martin Scorsese. So at the moment, that's the only one I have in. But if Blitz gets really good reactions, it comes up. If Ridley Scott shows me he's for real, Napoleon's great. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix come back. Uh, right now, they all feel like they have a shot. Just I'm only putting one in for the moment. Then we also have Saltburn. We have Ferrari. Two movies I'm, I feel like should get something. But also, there's only 10 spots. Something's got to miss. And then we have just a collection of movies that I think a lot of people are going to predict just because they're, they're bigger names. They're the fun movies, but also you can't really predict stuff like that without some sort of precedent. So we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, How Do You Live, Barbie, Wonka, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, Magazine Dreams, and one random other one to run out a list of 25 is Firebrand. There's not really much to be said about this movie besides it stars Alicia Vikander, Jude Law, mm. and it's based on the book that The Queen's Gambit is also based on. So it's there's no there's not really much out there about this movie. I was just looking at different upcoming movies, and this one kind of stood out to me. Like, hey, maybe an actress and a screenplay type combo. I am going to say... Uh... I know we're going to have people coming into the comment section being like, oh my god, Barbie's too low. Barbie should be top ten. I should. I actually, I think that, like, we need to do a video talking about Barbie and why we're a bit worried for Barbie. Uh, Not worried for the movie. It's going to be great. But I'm worried for the Oscar chances, and I'd love to tell everyone why. Because I think that people uh, might get a little bit disappointed if it doesn't perform the way that they hope it will. But, like, I just don't see the largely male voting base of the academy watching barbie well that that's, that's not even worried about that's not even my thing it's that it's coming from warner brothers they have dune part two they have the color purple they have barbie they have wonka that's four movies they're not campaigning all four dune part two yeah, yeah that's probably their number one color purple yeah that's probably their number two 
That makes Barbie number three. Or number four. Can they really get three movies in the best picture? I don't think so. I think this is the year to test. One thing I will say as well is like, overall, there is a trend that you're going to see here. We are trying our best to avoid films from directors that just got their first nomination for best picture. Yeah. Right? That was our mistake with The Sun. We were like, oh my god, Florian Zeller just did The Sun. Uh, We were like, oh my god, Florian Zeller just did The Father. The Sun has to be in best picture. Right? So I think at this point, the only second time nominee that you have in there is Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos. And you've already said that's just in there because it's a placeholder for whatever we figure out Searchlight's priority is, uh, which might be the strangers. It might be strangers. But otherwise, you'll see a a kind of pattern of us not including second-time nominees like uh, Maestro, Bradley Cooper. That looks like it's going to be a sophomore slump. I've heard through the grapevine, it's a little bit boring. I think it's time that we move into... Another bold category that you and I have had here on the show is Best Director, because I said last year, Steven Spielberg, he's not winning, and he didn't win. I just had the person who won wrong. So uh, I think we have different winners at the moment, but maybe we don't. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, I will go through my top five in reverse order here. Um, I'll go through my top five in reverse order here. So at number five, as I just made a case for, Alice Rohrwalker, La Chimera, we're seeing a pattern of uh, Oscar nominees for directing being from Cannes films, being from international features, right? This year we had Ruben Ustland. The past year we had Ryuichi Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Then we had uh, Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, and then we also had, uh, w- wait, was Pavel Pavlikovsky nominated here? Yes, he did as long yeah. as Caron. Yeah, and so and then in 2018 we had Pavel Pavlikovsky as well as Alfonso Cuarón, right? So Alice Rohrwacher is the one foreign language filmmaker who I think could break through. I especially think that we're going to see a bit of a swing, uh, as we saw in 2020, right? 2019 we had the whole um, controversy around no women in Best Director right? That just, it was, it was a big deal at the Oscars that year that Greta Gerwig missed out, Lulu Wong missed out, uh, and they had an all-male lineup, similar to what happened this past year. And it reminds me of how 2020, we went from no women in director to having Emerald Fennel and the winner, Chloe Zhao. Uh, and this year, I think that there will be two women in Best Director, Alice Rohrwacher and uh, Celine Song, who I'll talk about in just a moment. But at number four, I've got Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. Scorsese is pretty unfucking deniable uh, This is Steven Spielberg, right? This is um, the legacy director that makes it in. This is, this is um, you know, Martin Scorsese, he's done it before. The movie might not make Best Picture, but it will have wide enough support to get a shit ton of nominations. At number three... I've got Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. Now, this is the the film that I think fills the Banshees slot. The one where it's like, it's a film from a director who has been nominated before that is uh, looking very strong. It's one that might make me doubt the stat a little bit. The almighty stat. The first-time winner stat. So Alexander Payne, I have coming along for Best Director as well. I think that film's very strong. Uh, the Holdovers, super, super strong. 
Todd Haynes is someone who hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves, right? Like, Carol was so fucking snubbed. Carol was something that should have been in every category. I mean, if you look at our film ball game, it is the only film that did not get a Best Picture nomination that has passed a thousand points. That is nuts. That movie should have been in Best Picture. It is maybe the biggest nomination snub of all time. So Todd Haynes could be in Best Director, could come along for that ride, uh, and has a strong shot at a win. But that said, just like we're predicting past lives in Best Picture, I have to predict it in Best Director as well. Uh, Celine Song will have a great narrative for creating this decade-spanning, interwoven tale. Not just is this a screenplay movie, it is a directing movie, and it's one that I think will put her in the conversation for a win here. Maybe not ending up the win, but right now. Since I had past lives winning picture, I feel like Celine Song comes along for a director. That's how I feel at the moment. However, I do have Scorsese at number two for Killers of the Flower Moon, just like I have it at picture for number two for the reasons that you just said. It's Spielberg for West Side Story for the Fablements. He's number two in director. It's Scorsese for Irishman, where he's like number three for director. Um, and like you can go on and on. Uh, Fincher for Mank. And there's all these examples of like, yeah, the movie may struggle overall, but that director guy, he's still number two or number three. So I have him up there. I do have Alice Warwalker Walker getting in for that international slot. However, I have her at number five, but she's above these next people. Like in terms of safeness, just number five in terms of like winning chances. Then is where I have my little issue. Do I put in Haynes or do I put in Payne? I feel like they're going for the same demographic, but I also would say that about Field and McDonough this year, so they both could get in. However, I do not see Oppenheimer being a best picture player if Christopher Nolan doesn't come along. I, I feel like mm. you could say that. You could say that about James Cameron. You could say that about Denis Villeneuve. But or Christopher Nolan Inception. Yes. However, if this is more like a Dunkirk, like you mentioned before, he did get in for Dunkirk. And... I just feel like this is the movie where we're really going to get the, the feel of Christopher Nolan's for real with the Academy. It was Dunkirk a one-off thing? And right now, sight unseen with almost everything out besides past lives. We don't really know. And with the reception the trailers have been getting, how I've just kind of taken it in, I feel like he's in. But that makes me question who's out between Payne and Haynes. I don't really know. So I'm kind of cheating putting them both at my number three. And then the other one's at number six, kind of like I was doing last year with uh, like one of the categories. But at the moment, that's just how I feel. I think it's those six, and it's just finding who's the odd one out. It's probably Christopher Nolan. But just part of me thinks that he is in. But at the same time, the whole James Cameron, the Denis Villeneuve for the last two years, it checks out that he would miss. But also, we have Denis Villeneuve back again for Dune Part 2. And I feel like he's going to miss again. So are they going to sound two big spectacle-type directors? possibly but we'll have to find out because that brings us to adapted where just like west side story i do have the color purple missing out it's my number six right now in adapted um i could mm. easily see it coming in but we did mention before and i think the oscars do go for this movie it is in screenplay and that is barbie at number five that's interesting why i feel like if this movie is going to get raves it's going to be because of its take on this character it's gonna be on its style and even more so than director it's gonna be because of the writing and this is a place where they could recognize a character and recognize Greta Gerwig I know that normally that's over in the original screenplay category where they throw more of those like 
kooky or out there type movies but look at the lineups adapted to me is at least a little weaker this year where i think there's a strong top two and then after that there's a lot of question marks going all the way down to like number eight because like in my top 10 maybe this is just the trying to predict the top gun maverick but i have indiana jones and the dial destiny in my 10 i don't really think that Mm. should be in my 10 but that just shows like hey i'm struggling to find 10 adapted screenplay movies so Barbie's my number five at the moment. Easily could see this going away as soon as the movie opens. But it just feels like, hey, this is a place where they could award it even over like a production design or a supporting actor or a lead actress. Like you could do adapted, you could do costumes, you could call it a day. And then, as I just mentioned in Best Director, Christopher Nolan, they're going to take him serious this time around. Oppenheimer, I have it here. This could easily miss as well for Color Purple to come up, for Strangers to come up, Bike Riders to come up, whatever it is. I, I just have a feeling where like, it's going to it's going to hit all those boxes. It's going to get picture. It's going to get director. It's going to get screenplay. Will it win any of those? Probably not. But it's going to be that movie that does show up across the board. I have Dune Part 2 coming here. The first one got in. I've heard I haven't read the book, but I've heard the second part is even harder to adapt. So they do pull it off and get that picture nomination. The screenplay is going to come along, but it's going to be just like the first one. No real shot to win, but it's will look good in your nominations. And that brings me to my top two. I'm not really sure which way to lean. We have poor things. We have Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers makes more sense on paper. However, I mean, we did just see this this past season with Banshees and Martin McDonough. This was kind of his time to shine, and he still didn't shine. So maybe the same thing happens next year, and Yorgos Anthemos is like, hey, I'm back. I have a really good body of work. It's more accessible. It's more likable this time. And he still comes up short. But... I don't know. I have them here at my number one at the moment, but I'm I'm very tempted to change it over to Killers of the Flower Moon just because that's a more traditional screenplay type winner, just from what I've heard about it. Um, but do traditional scripts win anymore? That that is the good question. Women Talking would say yes. Everything Everywhere would say no. And the, the whole Everything Everywhere success this year is what kind of has me feeling. Like, hey, a Barbie catches on. Barbie could be an adapted screenplay winner. I know I just said Warner Brothers yeah. has a lot on their plate but if barbie does become their number one over dune over color purple i could see it i'm just not going to predict barbie being a top two push for warner brothers until they like prove me wrong yeah until until people are seeing it if if i see men on the internet saying that that movie is so bad it's good and not just oh it's a good movie then it's done for the Oscars. That's what I'm going to say right now. We'll go into it further in another video, but there's this really toxic tendency with men on the internet to put down anything that is made with young women in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, And that will carry on to Barbie. It's the same way that like until the Beatles started making experimental music, like, Men were like, oh, it's just a band for teenagers. Like, ooh. It's the same thing with, like, uh, Harry Styles, right? Harry Styles only became cool, like, recently. And even then, there's still a lot of men that will probably never like Harry Styles. Uh, and I think Barbie will fall into a very similar trajectory. There's going to be a lot of men that refuse to watch it because it's made for young women. So, I don't know. But if it, if it hits, it can win screenplay. So, I guess to my 
earlier like question mark of i'm struggling to find 10 adapted screenplay from like what i mentioned here is there anything else you'd like maybe look out for this because as i mentioned in addition to my five i have color purple i have strangers i have bike riders and then i just have indiana jones sitting there even though i don't really think there's a shot unless that becomes the next top gun maverick which i don't think that's something that we can really expect to happen yeah i think strangers is a very strong possibility now one thing i'll say about killers of the flower moon i've read a draft of the script i think it's changed quite a bit since when i read it but it was um it was a struggle to get through i found it to be extremely dry extremely dull um it is not very well written i know scorsese does a lot of improv but this is much closer to the dryness of something like silence which is a great film it's a great film but it's not a very writer-y film okay i'd say um so killers i don't know about it it's also very long it's going to be like three hours long or more um i don't see that being a screenplay winner you know i'd say it has a stronger case in director uh poor things i think is a solid one to go with now because it's interesting it's fresh it's going to be unique but that said, like poor things could flop. It could be it could be the sun all over again. Although I think Yorgos might be a little bit too weird to do that. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe poor things. But Strangers has a great shot. Um, it's going to be different. It's going to be unique. It might be incredibly beautifully written. It might be very profound. So Strangers would maybe be my top one right now. But here's some ones that you might not want to overlook. There's a possibility of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. James Gunn, I think, has built up a lot of goodwill. We know that the Academy is a little bit more willing to go with Marvel movies now. I mean, they just gave Black Panther another Oscar. Guardians, I think, is a franchise that people really do love. And um, if they give this team a very proper send-off, you might end up seeing it popping into some races that you don't expect. Now, I'm not saying it's getting nominated, but I think it's worth considering. I agree with you on Indiana Jones. I think you should also consider How Do You Live. If Miyazaki makes a, uh, a Best Picture contender, it might come in screenplay. See. Also, next goal wins. Maybe. Maybe. See, I, I originally had How Do You Live on my list, but if Guillermo del Toro couldn't get in this year or Pinocchio, I, I don't yeah. see how that will be possible. Not, not saying that it's not possible, but this year's lineup was like scouring for a fifth slot. Guillermo Toro is probably on the same level, if not more beloved in the Academy currently. And if his film still couldn't get in and still underperformed overall, I just have a little not optimism for animation coming out of that category. Yeah. However, like his speech was Spider-Man the other night. Well. Spider-Man. Could yeah. Mention. Like his speech the other night, hopefully that does change going forward. But just like how I've mentioned it some other times, I don't want to over like personal pick some stuff i want to see them happen originally but that would be that, that's what i originally had as like, my number nine but then i thought like oh yeah. if gamma tour couldn't get in could mizaki get in yeah well spider-man as well is, is, i think is is super possible i mean we've seen the the screenplay categories go for animated comedies before it's usually pixar though it's it usually is. pixar when they do but i wouldn't be too shocked if like spider-man across the spider-verse made it here or again how do you live but there's there's so many possibilities that it could be and so many things that i'm a little bit nervous about last thing i'd mention is like the zone of interest might be something here if that ends up being a big hit um but yeah i i mean 
it could go in a billion different directions at this point. So I, I think my early pick is Strangers. So with all that being said, though, let's hear your original screenplay ones, because this is the category that was even harder for me, because there's a lot, I think, here compared to Adapted. I actually think, personally, I'd say that there's less here. Um, I feel pretty good about the top five at this point, but after the top five, I'm just like, oh my, what's happening all over the place here? So... At my number five spot, again, I have uh, La Chimera, Alice Rohrwacher, like I said, picture, director, screenplay, and international. So that's the five that I've got there. Following that, at number four, I have Rustin, D Dustin Lance Black. He is uh, a prior winner for Milk, and this looks to follow suit. But again, we mentioned before, a commenter pointed out, and it's very true, that Rustin has been pushed back. Dustin Lance Black has not had the greatest track record, so this might not be a thing, and it might be replaced by something else. Uh, then, at number three, May-December. I've read the script. It's pretty damn good. May-December is very well written. Uh, it's got some great scenes, some uh, dialogue that they're just going to chew that dialogue. It's going to be great. Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, Charles Melton are all going to do amazing work on this film. Number two, I've got The Holdovers, which I think, if Past Lives slips, The Holdovers could end up winning. I've heard very good things about this script. I've heard that it's very funny, it's very uplifting, and Alexander Payne has two screenplay wins already for The Descendants and for Sideways. So uh, The Holdovers could be a big one for Alexander Payne. And then number one, Past Lives. I've got it winning picture. I've got it winning director. I've got it winning screenplay. It's apparently funny. It's apparently romantic. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you feel things. It's going to make you feel your heart pounding in your chest. Uh, and that sounds like everything that an original screenplay winner is. It sounds like something fresh, exciting, new. And that is my pick for screenplay right now. Okay. I mean, I have the same five. I just have them in a different order. We have the same winner. I flip-flop two and three, and I flip-flop four and five. But um, we had the same bunch. I did just do a little Google research, and Ferrari, I guess, would be another one I would throw over into the adapted conversation. But here, mm -hmm. for the original screenplay com uh, conversation, some other ones would be Saltburn, would be Blitz, would be Maestro. Movies I'm, I currently don't have in Best Picture, but if they do get in the Best Picture, they could easily come up here in the screenplay lineup. Um, mm -hmm. And... I mean, the thing with original screenplay that I think we see more often than not is this is the place where movies are at we're not even expecting come out of nowhere. Like a movie that we don't even know about right now and like two, three months pops his head out and is like, hey, I'm in the race now and then goes all the way because like I think at this time last year, not many people were talking about Banshees and Banshees went on um, and in years past, we had stuff like Get Out. We had Promised Young Woman, movies that were from first time writing nominees that no one was really thinking about kind of like what you're talking about with Guardians of the Galaxy, but over here in the original category. So I, I think you have, mm -hmm. I would say, the consensus five at the moment, but that's that's the smart five, I think. You know what would be my passion pick is Rye Lane. Mm -hmm. Rye Lane is coming out very soon on Disney Plus and Hulu, and it's, uh, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's uh, a debut film. It's so funny. It's a whip-smart rom-com. It 
is so experiment it's i wouldn't call it experimental but it's energetic it does things that you don't expect it feels like someone took the energy of like a tv commercial like a super bowl commercial and turned it into a full feature and just gave it so much heart so much humor it is lovely that would be the best nominee in this uh lineup but i, I just i don't see it happening because it's coming out so early but you I know think what it's it, possible you know what it sounds like what cha-cha real smooth uh, kind of it's better i mean it's yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that it's probably better but like the, the words used to describe it is what people were describing cha-cha real smooth at this time in the race yeah. last year um well cha-cha so. was is it's a more indie film this one you'll have to wait and see you'll see it in a couple of weeks yeah i will um rye lane is something really special also worth mentioning asteroid city wes anderson and air the ben affleck movie uh ben affleck uh matt damon the script i've read it's pretty solid it's pretty wait. solid overall it's uh you're gonna like it you're gonna like it the one complaint that i have about this script i don't know if they've changed it for the movie i know that ben affleck and matt damon rewrote the script that i read um but the complaint is it's a basketball movie that takes place entirely in boardrooms i don't think you see a basketball court in like the entire movie screenplay is weird this far out it's kind of hard to to see what's actually going to shape up as contenders and what is going to fall off you know, there's always going to be some indies that end up more in the conversation than we think, which is why I am keeping my fingers crossed that Rye Lane can end up in the conversation at the end of the year. So everyone out there, let us know what bold predictions you have at this time. Give us some pictures. Give us some screenplays. Heck, if you even want to be different, drop some acting predictions because we'll be doing that here in the coming weeks. So maybe you can help us learn Next some people week. that we currently don't even have out there. Yeah. next, Come back next week for uh, acting nominations and all of that if you want to tell us who you think's winning acting by all means do it but you can also save it for next week we're coming back with acting true we're that, going that, away forever that's a good point i mean i currently have a big surprise in one category so it'll, it'll be fun but you, you can't hear that until you're back here next week but you got to let us know do you agree with us is past lives the movie to beat this coming season or are we just riding a little bit too high on everything ever all at once hype uh, what do you think about our theory that only first-time filmmakers can win director? You should think that it's true. You should think that it's true. The best picture winner is going to be from a movie that someone has never been nominated for best picture for before. So, like, Past Lives looks pretty strong right now. You gotta agree. But if you don't agree, let us know why. It's your favorite time of the day. Draft time! Draft time. So we're back we took a week off we had a lot to go over last week but we didn't forget about these drafts and matt mm -hmm. won the last draft about <sighs> by a lot by a lot i i can't i can't even front it was like 80 20 so Ooh. i gotta come back this week but i don't have the first Ooh. pick matt will have the am, first pick am i dame because i feel like the heavyweight champion of the fucking <laughs> world man hey you know what happened though his head got too big he got beat by Donnie, and uh, my name starts with a D, so close enough. But um, today, we are drafting our favorite Oscar wins. So there's 23 categories, 23 options, 10 of them will be taken. You can take that any way. The ones that bring you the biggest smile, the ones that bring you 
the biggest joy to your heart, the one that you think other people like the most. You can do whatever you want because everyone out there, you can draft, YouTube community tab. We'll put our picks there. But of course, stay tuned for the rest of this episode because you want to hear us talk about why we picked them because maybe, who knows, that may sway you in one way or the other. But as I mentioned before, Matt has the first pick. There's so much to take here. What's first overall? Oh, first overall, there are so many things it could be. Now, let's just say right off the bat, Everything overall at once won seven awards last night. That's probably going to be the majority of these things drafted. So I think I have to start off with the most emotional win of the bunch. No, I'm not going with Best Picture. You might think I was going to go with Best Picture because I called it early. No, I'm going with Ki Hui motherfucking Kwan as my number one overall. This one, he gave one of the best speeches one of the best, I mean, your your favorite speech yes. of the evening. And beyond that, honestly, this is it's just it's such a meaningful award. Uh, he has been just a beacon of light on the award circuit this whole season long. He has just been so lovely to watch. All of his speeches have been amazing. And this win couldn't have happened to a nicer person. It truly couldn't have. He just, you can tell that this means so much to him. And I truly hope that this changes his life. Yeah, th- that's the right choice. I mean, like you said, people could take everything everywhere winning picture here, but that Quan speech, I-, I don't tear up usually. And I-, I got some tears. Like my, my, I could feel it in my heart. And like, I couldn't say a word during the whole time. Cause like, if I talk, I'm the, the water is going to come. So I'm going to go on the opposite side of that. Maybe this isn't one that made me super emotional, but it's one that made me super happy. And that was his co-star, Michelle Yeoh, winning Best Leading Actress. The energy that she's had on the whole campaign season, every speech she gets to give is always a highlight. It's so different. Like, she's not a normal acceptance speech. She's she's bringing a new type of energy, a new type of flair, and that's something I can really appreciate. So that's what I'm going with for my first pick. But my second pick is the one that probably made me the happiest besides Quan, and that is Women Talking winning adapted screenplay because at that point in the night i was so scared that it was going to all quiet and not that all quiet has a bad script but come on women talking script that's another level how dare you take sarah Polly's script away from me i mean when you first started talking about the one that made you the most emotional it's like oh he's going women talking cool i get kwan it's like oh he's leaving it to me yes yeah i had to go i had to go with that obviously i had to go with that what are you talking about? Like, I mean, women talking, I was hoping you wouldn't go with there, but uh, ultimately, it makes sense. So, I'm taking it back to my pick. Now, this one, I have to go... I have to go with the, the one that I called all the way back in May. Best picture, everything, everywhere, all at once. This is the most outside-of-the-box movie to ever win this award. And truly... We've been seeing it year after year. Best Picture is changing, right? What used to be a Best Picture movie is no longer a Best Picture movie. And we're seeing the changing Academy through these progressively crazier and crazier Best Picture winners, right? Like, we went from just two decades ago having, like, (laughs) I, I don't know, like, we had Crash win almost 20 years ago. And now... We have a string of Moonlight, The Shape of Water, Green Book, <laughs> Parasite, Nomadland, Coda, and then everything ever all at once, right? 
the changing academy is seen through best picture and everything ever all at once has made its history right it is now motion picture history this is going to go down as one of the weirdest craziest most outside the box winners and i think it is the biggest sign that the academy has officially changed i agree i agree great pick here what are you pairing it with i have to pair it with let me just think through this a little bit i i could go in a few different directions i could go with a tech that i really like i could go with another actor that i think uh really deserves but i think i have to go hmm i think i have to go with avatar the way of water and best visual effects my heart yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Avatar The Way of Water, v- best visual effects. I mean, this is one that we all saw coming. It was one that we knew was going to be happening. Um, but the team behind this just did such an amazing job putting together, uh, dear Lord, the, one of the most exceptional feats of visual effects that I think anyone has ever seen. And that's why it deserves to be my next pick. Well... Some golf claps for you. That's the that's the, the right choice there. Great, great pick. Great winner. Great. Just what it stands for. Like you said, it's revolutionary. It's changing the game. And I mean, maybe it's not changing the game. No one can do VFX like a James Cameron movie can. And all the visual effects artists that you got to see give speeches. Well, the ones that you got to actually hear give a speech. And everyone else in the crew. Shouts out to them. Kind of going with that, though, uh, I'm going with another tech category, and this is one that uh, maybe it's not the winner I wanted, but what it means is something so important to me, because our second or third episode of the show, we said, hey, Disney, Pixar, you're not winning animated, because guess what? We have a new king to to present, and that's Gamer del Toro, and I just love what this film and how, kind of like what you mentioned for picture how different of a winner this is. We haven't seen a winner like this in a long time. And I hope this really sets the stage for going for like, hey, you don't always have to go with the the conventional, the family, the the very just targeted type movie. You can go with something that is much bigger than the format that it's being presented in because yes, animation is so much more than just that. But there's still going to be people who look at it in that way. But if you can make the most out of the format that you're in, you can elevate it. And that's what I think Pinocchio did. So that's my first pick here that's a great pick uh honestly if you're down for it i'd love to trade you avatar (laughs) for pinocchio i know we can't do that it's against the point of the game but um actually going back that's probably what i should have picked there because pinocchio is my second favorite movie of the year and i'm so happy to see it cross the finish line there i think i just forgot about it because i was like oh it was so it was so like expected locked in it was so expected that like it didn't register with me as like a oh my god i can't believe this one i'm so happy uh but pinocchio is my second favorite movie of the year and i love it so much and i'm so happy that it won so there's a lot of angles i could go with this next pick uh but you have two everything everywheres i should get two everything everywheres and then we can call it a day after this i would assume so give me the inventive the original the stylish screenplay it's everything that you mentioned for this movie in picture can be carried over into screenplay. Like, I don't think we'll ever see another movie like this. Like, I know that we said a few weeks ago that we can see this change, how some movies are made, but there's never going to be another everything everywhere. And that goes to its screenplay of how just, I, I, there's words can't 
describe this. There's there's so many quotables, there's so many new ideas presented, and it's all just done masterfully. So Pinocchio, screenplay, those are my two picks here. For my next pick, I have to go with the most exciting part of the evening. Not to, not to. Uh, a little song that took over the world was so exciting, so fresh, so fun. Uh, this song is, I think, one of the best songs ever to win in this category. It is just a riot to watch. I saw this in a packed theater, and I was howling with laughter. There's there's videos that people have of people getting up and doing the dance in a packed theater. Like, it. not only is this one of the best songs in this category ever to win, it's one of the only songs that has a dance that goes with it. Um, and every time you hear this song, all you can think of is the people getting up and doing the dance. And to see this win, to see an Indian film come into the Oscars and do what has never been done before, win Best Original Song for a Tollywood film, a Telugu language film, that's honestly amazing. It's amazing that Natu Natu made it all this way. Uh, and... Yeah, I guess I. it's one of the most joyous experiences I've had in a cinema was seeing Natu Natu on a big screen, and it's one of my favorite wins of the night. Good, good pick, good my pick. last pick, my last pick, give me Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Uh, this is... Now, Colin Farrell might have been my favorite in the category, but it is undeniable. Just like Ki Hui Kwan winning for Supporting Actor... Everyone wanted to see what Brendan Fraser had to say. Brendan Fraser wanted to be there. He's been through such hard times. He has struggled with illness, with family members dying recently, uh, with being blacklisted from the industry after uh, coming out against sexual abuse. He has been through a lot, and now he's here. And that is special. That means something. What, Whatever you think about the whale, his win is really, truly special. Now, I've seen a lot of people on the internet saying that, you know, uh, the internet is treating Brendan Fraser like he's a, a make-a-wish kid, um, which I think, in a way, is kind of true. I feel like the way that people are infantilizing him is a bit, ooh. Um, but he seems like a genuine man, a very nice guy, and he deserves this. And that's why it's one of the best wins of the night. Um, no one wanted it more. And it's going to do so much for his career. Just like Quan, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He deserves it. I'm very happy for Frazier as well. That brings me to this last pick. I don't know what to do. I think it's kind of cheating going with another Everything Everywhere just because there's so many. I, I want to I recognize some other movies. But with that being said, the Academy cheated me out of so many options by not giving it to movies I wanted to win in categories. I mean, <laughs> I lost out on a Babylon score pick. I lost out on an Elvis costumes pick. I lost out on a Batman makeup pick. So I don't really know what to do here. So I'm trying to think things over. And if I have to go with one, I want to go with something that is just so, so out there. It's so different that in my mind, it just breaks everything that we know and love about doing what we do, of predicting and tracking award season. So I'm going with All Quiet on the Western Front winning production design. Maybe not mm. so for what it won, but for how it won it. It won nothing ahead of time. I would argue it was fifth place in the category. Maybe it was fourth above Fablemans, but 
it's it just shows that hey precursors predicting it doesn't mean anything it's just about the right time the right passion the right moment and all quiet on the western front had that in production design yeah a great pick very great pick um that one was the biggest shocker of the evening and if you want to go for the most fun wins of the evening that was fun that was fun because it made it it gave me um a little bit of a heart palpitation because i was like oh my god oh my god it's gonna win screenplay so oh no i do i do want to give a shout out to the irish goodbye win because that was one of my favorite moments of the night however however i don't know if i I don't know that's what i was thinking about going with here but i don't know how many people out there would like really get it sort of thing so well if if they saw the moment yeah if they saw the moment the happy birthday that was so goddamn sweet yeah, uh, the, the, the just I just really, even though, like I said, <laughs> a quiet winning was not something I really wanted to see in this category. Just what it means going forward, I think, is just so important, interesting, different. And mm-hmm. it shows like, hey, you can sweep a season. You're not guaranteed to win that Oscar. Exactly. If your movie isn't liked, then you're vulnerable no matter what. No matter what, if people don't like you then you're vulnerable. Unless you're Brendan Fraser and the Whale, because apparently people didn't like the movie, but he still won. He still had one precursors. All Quiet on the Western Front didn't even win the BAFTA for production design. Yeah, that's No, but what I mean is Babylon was like the front runner, and it lost because people didn't like the movie. But Brendan Fraser, people didn't like the movie, but he still won. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's recap our picks here. You had first overall, so run us through your five awards. Of course, I've got Ki Hui Kwan's Best Supporting Actor win for Everything Ever All at Once, followed up by the Best Picture win for Everything Ever All at Once. What a crazy evening. And then following that up, I have the Best Visual Effects win for Avatar, The Way of Water. And then rounding us all out, I've got Best Song for Natu Natu from RRR. And closing off my team, I've got Brendan Fraser, Best Actor for The Whale. On the flip side, I started things off with Michelle Yeoh winning for Best Leading Actress performance for Everything Ever All At Once, Women Talking taking Adapted Screenplay, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio winning Animation, Everything Everywhere All At Once in Original Screenplay, and my last one, it's kind of out there, but it's all quite on the Western Front winning production design in which that win is kind of out there. Mm-hmm. But you have to let us know what your favorite teams are. Remember your vote determines who's going to draft first next week it is important and you have to pick the right team it's mine it's mine so go to our youtube community tab and place your vote voting will stay open until we record our next episode so please get out there and vote 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 we've had some really close races some votes have come down to just one or two i know i know last week wasn't i may have only gotten like five or six votes but hey Look at my team this week. I think it's a little bit better. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, the tide also might have turned around on uh, people might not be too happy about everything ever all at once winning Best Picture. I've seen on the internet already people being like, oh, it's overrated. So who knows? Maybe maybe your team being a little bit less uh, based on everything ever all at once winning picture. Maybe that could help you out. We get to continue our little game that we created, the Fantasy Filmball Oscar Madness. And we had some updates since last week. Uh, predictions are in. The first round, the playing round is over, and we have some results. So kicking things straight off, as we predicted, Pearl did beat X in that 64-65 matchup. However, 
I don't really think it matters who won because they have to go against everything if we're all at once in round number two. That's a killer right there. That's, uh, ooh. <laughs> the next play in round saw Jackass Forever barely beat out bros by just one vote. And it gets to take on Top Gun Maverick. So I guess we get to see what people really think. Do they think Tom Cruise is an ass or is he good enough just to fly over the boys? That's the battle of the stunts right there. I, I Who's know. Who's crazier? It. Johnny Knoxville or Tom Cruise? See, I think it depends on who you ask. Some people will say Knoxville's crazy for his stunts, while Tom Cruise has... He, he flew a plane, and I, I don't really know how he can top that. That is true. I mean, I haven't seen Johnny Knoxville do that, but at the same time, I also haven't seen Tom Cruise get his penis bitten by a snake. That is true. That is true. Tom Cruise, if you ever hear this, uh, can we get you in a Jackass movie? I'd love that. But on our next play-in round matchup, the Northman did beat Barbarian. So I think that we That's both surprising. predicted Barbarian. But Northman ended up winning by a pretty sizable margin to go take on the Banshees of Inishirin in the next round. So who knows? Maybe the online love for that movie is a lot stronger than we think and it carries it past. But I think it's a run stops there. Yeah, not stronger over um, Banshees. <laughs> it's, it's strong enough to beat Barbarian, but not Banshees. Banshees is a juggernaut. And our last play matchup went the opposite way that I thought. I thought Minions Riser Guru would easily carry on, but the Minion, he lost to Wendell and Wild, and Wendell and Wild is into the round of 64. There we go. So we have 32 matchups this round, uh, and you guys can go and vote on them now. Predictions are closed, but you got to go and vote. You got to make your voice heard, uh, because this is just fun and games this is what this is all about we turn the oscars into a game so 100 vote, vote, vote and uh make sure that because whoever wins this prediction competition they get to take home a poster so of any movie that is in this competition's choice it could be something that's already been knocked out so if you really want a minions rise a group poster we'll get you one if you come in first place but Man, before we wrap doesn't? up here for the day is there any matchups this round that you're just like really invested or interested in because to me that 1946 matchup with the batman and nope is just so interesting i could see that go either way in the winner that i feel like could make it all the way to the final four the batman and nope is a killer matchup that is brutal but the other matchups here that i see are being really really tough uh are Round nine, the one between RRR at 25th seed and decision to leave at 40th seed. That is a brutal matchup that is going to leave no prisoners. That is really, really tough. I think some other ones that are really, really killer here. Hmm. A lot of them feel much easier than I think that they should be at this point. Um... I mean, if you're going off of seed numbers, Bones and all, I feel like, will upset Causeway, a 47 beating an 18. Then yep. you have stuff like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like the menu will beat Living probably, 52-13 sort of. So we're going to probably see a lot of those above-the-line nominees that got like one nomination, whether that be Blonde or Living or stuff like that, get upset by some of the films that got no Oscar nominations just because they're so beloved, even though the Academy did not recognize them. Absolutely. I think the toughest two matchups here, most of these are pretty easy, but the toughest two are RRR versus Decision to Leave and the Batman versus Nope. Those two are matchups that I think could be happening next round or the round after that. Uh, they're so strong, and I think that these films would win most other matchups. 
uh, with lower seeded films. So these are just crazy at the moment, and we'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to see how these pan out. Um, but honestly, I guess what I have to say about this round, the round of 64 in this game, a lot of these movies are going to go early, not for good reason, but it's going to make sense. Next round is where the tough decisions will be made. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first annual Fantasy Film Ball Awards. I'm one of your hosts for the evening, Dill, and I just have to say, it's an honor to be here in front of all of you. You know, let me count. I see I see one, I see two. <laughs> well, you know, the dedicated listeners of a podcast of under 200 subscribers. We've got a great show for you tonight celebrating some of the best films of last year. I mean, it's only been four months since 2022 ended, but... Who's counting? Let's be honest, we know who the real competitors are tonight. The real multiverse of madness, everything everywhere all at once, and the 100% not emo, the Batman, lead the way with 12 nominations apiece. All three hours and 12 minutes of James Cameron's magnum opus to make us piss ourselves inside of an AMC multiplex while Nicole Kidman watches us and laughs. Avatar The Way of Water scored nine nominations, and who could, could forget... And who could forget the film that made us all feel like puppets, being Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which proved animation is way more than its small medium and is truly cinema, and being our only animated film to be featured in Best Picture this year. You know, truly breaking grounds. But award shows and Pinocchio's nose have one thing in common. They tend to be pretty long, so tonight we're going to try to cut that down a little bit and speed through this show. But I, I got I got to get some roast off real quick because there were a lot of disappointments at the box office this year. I mean, some of the best films of the year didn't exactly light the world on fire. Look at Tar, The Fablemans, The Banshees of Inishir, and even The Northman. But hey, it's okay because Morbius was here to save the box office universe. They lit the world more of them, not once, but twice. Also, let's not forget about Warner Brothers. I know I had that reputation out there being a Warner shill, but uh, they gave The Rock the keys and presented the masterpiece that is Black Adam. It may have not changed the DCEU in the way they thought, but hey, they had to completely tear that whole thing down because of how bad that movie was. And fine, we've made fun of Warner. We've made fun of Sony. It's only right that we make fun of Disney. And well... <laughs> well, I'm just getting word in that Disney actually just muted us because if we make fun of them, they'll just eradicate our podcast from the face of the earth. But, you know... It's all fair. This is the Fancy Film Ball Podcast, after all. Making all these jabs. I mean, look at the Screen Actors Guild. They can get pulled from the air for such a low turnout, and the Golden Globes can get taken off the air due to the current controversy. But all is fair. Look at it like this. The Fancy Film Ball Podcast Award is making all these jabs. I mean, the Screen Actors Guild can get pulled from the air for such low turnout, the Golden Globes can be taken off for controversy. But guess what? A podcast is bulletproof, baby. But we have so many lovely faces in this room tonight to watch this show and potentially win the first ever Fantasy Film Ball Award. As a proud member of the Babylon Hive, I am truly excited to see that the cast and crew of the wildest ride Hollywood had to offer us in 2022 decided to join. But, um, wait. I'm looking around and of our, like, five viewers, I, I don't see them here, and I was really hoping that their butts in the seats would give us more viewership than their movie had while in theaters. But being real, no one cares about this show that we have to say here, except, you know, the two kids here. We love everything that we have to talk about. We have 28 categories, 46 films to recognize. So let's get into this and announce our first winner of the night. Matt, take us away with our first category. This year, in Everything Ever, All at Once, Michelle Yeoh's character was able to access different universes to learn ridiculous new skills, which sounds a lot like how Tom Cruise prepares for every new Mission Impossible movie. The first category... 
The first category being presented this evening is the Stunts and Choreography Award. This award is presented to the teams that coordinate and design the exceptional movement on a film, from the dancing in Natu Natu to fighting over a butt plug. This year's nominees range from high-flying action scenes to pain-inducing stunts and lots of intricately crafted fight scenes. These are the nominees for Best Stunts and Choreography. Avatar, The Way of Water. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Jackass Forever. RRR and Top Gun Maverick. And the winner for Best Stunts in Choreography is RRR. Unfortunately, RRR could not be here to join us this evening, uh, but um, congratulations to RRR, first of many, I hope, awards. Now for the next award. This year, Sarah Polly and Ki Hui Kwan joined the ranks of former child actors who are now adult Oscar winners, alongside Jodie Foster, Natalie Portman, and Ron Howard. The following group of nominees represent some of the most promising young performers in the world. Which actors could be next to join the club alongside Kwan and Polly? My money's on baby Mateo from Bardo. That kid's got a future. These are the nominees for Best Youth Performance. Eden Dambreen, Close. Gustave de Whale, Close. Chloe East, The Fablemans. Kate Hallett, Women Talking. And Gabriel LaBelle, The Fablemans. And the winner is Eden Dambreen for Close. Look at us go and present some fresh faces and new awards, which would not normally get recognized on any circuit here in the awards season. Don't we love that? Fantasy film ball breaking new grounds. With that being said, you know what time it is? Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress. Up first, we have five men who truly support their films to new heights, ranging from antagonizing the streets of Gotham, showcasing male trauma, truly embracing your inner cannibal, portraying teenage vulnerability, and attempting to save the multiverse. Bye, things I portray every weekend with a few pints of me. Shout out to our Banshees boys that sadly did not make the cut here. But here are our nominees for Best Supporting Actor. Paul Dano in The Batman, Gustav Duwaley in Close, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, Kihi Kwan in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mark Rylance for Bones and All. And who really thought this was a question? Kihi Kwan, he's sweeping the award season and he sweeps fantasy film ball as well. Well, that brings us up to supporting actress, and these are the secret weapons of a film. They come in and steal scenes left and right, and before you know it, they've won an award. Take Janelle Monet and Glass Onion, for example, who showed us you don't need to have a lot of dialogue to make a powerful impact. Stephanie Sue and everything ever all at once. I mean, she was so good, I want her to be on screen for every scene. You have Clara Foy and Women Talking, who showed us you can have so much power and heart in such a limited role. And don't forget about Zoe Kravitz and the Batman, who brought so much needed coolness to that film. Jamie Lee Curtis and Everything Everywhere All At Once was a total scene stealer and Lashana Lynch and the Woman King gave us all lessons on how to be a badass warrior queen. So, our nominees for Best Supporting Actress include Jamie Lee Curtis and Everything Everywhere All At Once, Clara Foy and Women Talking, Stephanie Sue and Everything Everywhere All At Once, Zoe Kravitz for The Batman, Lashana Lynch for The Woman King, and Janelle Monae for Glass Onion. And these ladies all brought their A-game and we can't wait to see who the Fantasy Film Ball Award panel picks as the winner. Oh, that, that, that's us. So I guess I have to say, I want to drink a hard one of Jared Leto's hard kombuchas with Janelle Monet, our winner for Glass Onion. Well done. Well done. Now, you can probably tell these awards are being chosen by two people. Uh, so <laughs> it's just the two of us. But uh, moving on to the next category, 
Best cinematography, the core element of any movie. Without light and a lens to change that light into an image, there would be no movies at all. Contrary to popular belief, actors aren't the only ones making a movie. On any film set, the dynamic between the director and the cinematographer is a lot like the opening scene of The Fablemans, where Paul Dano is describing how a film projector works, and Michelle Williams just says that movies are dreams. Without the hard work and technical know-how of cinematographers, dreams are all that movies would ever be. These are the nominees for Best Cinematography. James Friend for All Quiet on the Western Front. Russell Carpenter for Avatar The Way of Water. Darius Kanji for Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Greg Frazier for The Batman. And Michael Dimmick for EO. And the winner is... It's a Bardo sweep! Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Bardo's cinematography is just so amazing. No movie looks like this this year. It is just breathtaking visuals, and the work done by the entire team on this movie is exceptional. Very well-deserved award. Now, when Michelle Williams said that movies are dreams, the work of the following artists are truly what she was talking about. With modern visual effects and a talented and usually, unfortunately, underpaid team of visual effects artists, the most impossible dreams can become reality. This is the category Best Visual Effects. And the winner is Avatar The Way of Water. Sorry, wait, what's that? There are other nominees? Really? But we, we all know who's gonna win. Just a formality? Okay, fine. Here are the nominees for Best Visual Effects. Avatar, The Way of Water. The Batman. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And Nope. And the winner is... Oh, surprise! Surprise! It's Avatar The Way of Water. I never saw that coming. So I have the honor of presenting our next category. It's one I would love to see become more, you know, popular on the award show track it, and that is best voiceover or mocap performance because these actors may not physically be on set at all times, but they are still important to the final product. After all, it's not easy to pretend to be a blue alien, a talking shell, or a drunk puppet maker. And let's be real, sometimes these actors are just wearing pajama covered dots while making weird faces in front of a green screen. So yeah, it may look silly during production, but the end result can be truly impressive. Just look at one of our nominees, Zoe Saldana's heart-stealing performance in Avatar The Way of Water. She made us all believe that the Navi people and their culture, despite being a human in a motion capture suit. And let's not forget about Gordy, performed by Terry Notier from Nope. I mean, who knew a friendly monkey could be so terrified at a children's birthday party? Like, come on guys, like, who, who could have really guessed that? But being serious, all these performances should be taken way more more for real, but our nominees for this category include David Bradley for Game of the Taurus Pinocchio, Brendan Dalton for Avatar The Way of Water, Terry Notier for Nope, Zoe Saldana for Avatar The Way of Water, and Jenny Slate for Marcel The Shell with Shoes On. And our winner is <sighs> David Bradley for Game of the Taurus Pinocchio and Questlove. I get it. I get it now how it feels to read off a winner that you just don't love. But hey, we, we keep it going with this show because our next category directly relates to our last one. We have Best Animation. And animation sometimes is considered 
less of a form of cinema as we mentioned earlier in the show, but it should be considered way more because it involves creating a sequence of images to simulate motion and tell a real story, just like a live action movie. However, animation offers filmmakers the unique advantage in terms of creativity and expression. With animation, filmmakers can be and create fantastic worlds and characters that are just impossible to achieve with live action movies. So our nominees include The Bad Guys, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots The Last Wish, and Turning Red. And to no surprise to any, the one film that made it into Best Picture, just like how the Oscars have for international feature, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio takes this award. Our voting process is very complicated because it's just the two of us here. So a lot of the time we might not both agree on the winner and we still have to come up with a winner. So we have a very complicated process only fully understood by a firm of accountants that we have on retainer doing this full time. Uh, it's pretty intense and pretty serious, obviously. You know what else is serious? Documentary features. And this year's documentary features show us that documentaries can be some of the most powerful movies around. To capture something real, showing us the important things going on in the world, educating us and opening our eyes to things that we didn't know about before. This year's documentaries showed us impactful and important moments, such as Alexei Navalny getting hard evidence that Vladimir Putin personally plotted to poison him. Or Nan Golden successfully having the Sackler family's name removed from art galleries around the world. As well, of course, as Chris Pontius's flaccid penis dressed up like Godzilla destroying a miniature city. These are the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, directed by Laura Poitras. Fire of Love, directed by Sarah Dosa. Jackass Forever, directed by Jeff Tremaine. Navalny, directed by Daniel Roher, and Users, directed by Natalia Almada. And the winner is a tie. Oh my god, it's a tie between All the Beauty and the Bloodshed and Jackass Forever. Could not be two more different movies, but both very deserving. That just really encapsulates this feel of this award show here. We, we can go from one moment of being super serious with All the Beauty to the next moment, as you mentioned, Godzilla penis wrecking havoc on a miniature city. Exactly, exactly. But on to our international feature category. We all know that every movie is a thousand times more sophisticated when it's in another language. That's why my favorite movie of this year is the Spanish language dub of Morbius, El Morbo. As Bong Joon-ho once said, you can be opened up to a whole new world of cinema once you get past the one-inch barrier of subtitles. This year's nominees are in a variety of languages from around the world. Telugu, German, Donkey. Here are the nominees for Best International Feature. All Quiet on the Western Front, Germany, directed by Edward Berger. Close, Belgium, directed by Lucas Daunt. Decision to Leave. South Korea, directed by Park Chan-wook. EO, Poland, directed by Jerzy Skolomowski. And RRR, India, directed by S.S. Rajamuli. And the winner for Best International Feature is The Little Donkey That Could, EO. 
All right, folks, let's give a round of applause to the nominees for Best International Feature Award. We just heard two very, very serious categories normally, so I think it's time to, you know, give out some goofy awards because uh, this next nominee is filled of them. The Best Live Action Animal, or, you know, animals who are just being themselves by humans awkwardly try to act alongside them. And our nominees are that aforementioned little donkey, but all the donkeys in EO. They didn't have to do much to steal the show. All they had to do was be themselves, and somehow they still outacted all the humans in that movie. We also had Jenny the Donkey from the Banshees of Inishirin, really the year the donkey ends. Sometimes you can be a very well-written screenplay, but the donkey is still the most lovable character among the bunch. Then we have Lucky the Horse from Nope. He was just a horse doing horse things, and yet somehow he still managed to avoid being sucked up by a giant UFO. And he neighed a few times, so uh, I think that's very commendable. We have Sammy the Dog from the Banshees of Inishirin. He barked, he followed us. He went to the local pub, and he grabbed the the choppers for the fingers. So he did what every man's best friend should do in that situation. And lastly, we cheated a little bit because we have a double nominee here. We have Ruth and Cheryl from Women Talking. And didn't we all love when Sheila McCarthy told us the stories about Ruth and Cheryl? Because the horses listened, and they trotted. But sorry, ladies, your performance was just about as dedicated as the employees of the DMV are getting me checked in for my new license with all that to be said our winner for this category is of course the little donkeys from eo and i think if i hear that right the uh the showrunners tell me that we actually do have a donkey here on set so um can we bring out eo wait 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 that that's that's not eo i i wonder i wonder why he can't be here oh <laughs> yeah that's right so we pulled some strings and we have an honorary Fantasy Film Ball Award winner, this is the Dronky from Shrek Forever After. Alright folks, let's give a big yeehaw for the nominees for Best Costumes. As a donkey, I know a thing or two about fashion. I mean, just look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm styling. So, I'm excited to announce these nominees. First up, we have the Batman. I mean, it's just a guy in a leather suit with some pointy ears, right? I could probably pull that off myself. Just give me some duct tape on my ears, uh, spray, give me some black spray paint, and give me a cape. I'm rocking. Next, we have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and I heard they just recycled the costumes for the first movie. That's kind of like what we did with our Shrek movies after the second one. And I can't even lie, I wish my costume dresser on Shrek Forever After dressed me as amazing, gave me as many options as they gave Elvis. I heard that he had over 200 plus outfits for one movies. Next, we have Everything Ever All At Once, and I'm sorry, they gave Joe Bogotopaki all those cool and flashy looks, but I can't get any? I call that speciesism. And lastly, we have the Woman King, and oh my gosh, those headdresses are magnificent. They remind me of my own mane. I mean, just look at that right here. I just can't wait until I get myself one of those. But our winner for Best Costume Design is Elvis. And I mean, just take a look at all these nominees here and these great examples. Well done to Elvis. Uh, Austin Butler went through enough. He deserves it. He changed his voice for this. Now, great makeup and hair work can transform an actor into someone else entirely. It can make us believe that Viggo Mortensen is getting his organs removed, or that Christian Bale has a false eye, or that Tom Hanks is a terrible actor. These are the nominees for Best Hair and Makeup. All Quiet on the Western Front. Amsterdam. The Batman. Crimes of the Future. And Elvis. And the winner is... Oh my god, another tie! Can you tell this show is being done by two people? You probably can. It's a tie between The Batman and Crimes of the Future. 
Well done to both films. Well done. Uh, now, good production design is when the world of a film feels so real that you can just get lost in it. Every single detail is immaculately placed, immersing us deeply into what the filmmakers have created. Whether it's a World War I battlefield, the oceans of Pandora, or just a giant pile of human corpses with a Spanish colonizer sitting on top, these are the nominees for best production design. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. And Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And the winner for Best Production Design is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Who doesn't love queuing up their Apple Music or Spotify for a good ride in cars? So, you know, let me look at my most recently played songs to get us kicked off of this next category. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that these songs are actually just songs from various sound checks from our next batch of nominees? Well, you better run out to Target or Walmart and snatch up these CDs because just like film and the box office, CDs are not a dying medium. But our nominees for Best Musical Supervision or Sound Check, we have Elvis, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, The Fablemans, Moon Age Daydream, and Triangle of Sadness. And our winner for this category is the king of rock himself, Elvis featuring all those new modern renditions of popular Elvis songs. Staying in the musical sense for our next category presents five amazing film scores. A film score can elevate the overall project by making mediocre scenes seem more epic than they really are. It's like putting icing on a pile of garbage and suddenly it looks way more appetizing than it would be without it. Take for example everyone's favorite score, Babylon, where the music makes you forget that this film is not cohesive at all and it's a real, a real trip. Then we have the Batman, where the score makes you feel like you're watching the most intense and insane superhero movie of all time, even though it's just an emo guy in a bat suit brooding in the dark. And then there's EO, where the music distracts you from the fact that you spent 90 minutes watching a donkey stroll around Poland. And for Bones and all, well, the score probably deserves an award for making cannibalism seem romantic. And lastly, we have women talking. The score is so powerful and inventive that it makes you forget that you just spent two hours watching women debate. Like, to me, these are some amazing film scores with all jokes aside, and I hope that you enjoy our nominees here. Once again, our nominees for Best Original Score include Babylon, The Batman, Bones and All, EO, and Women Talking. And our win in a very tight vote, and I'm sorry to all of the Babylon Hive out there, Babylon does not take this award. In fact, it goes to Michael Giacchino for The Batman. Very, very well done. The Batman, a, a very bad snub at the Oscars, but I'm so glad it got recognition here, where it really matters. Now it's time now it's time for Best Original Song, aka the award specifically limited to songs written for movies, so the actual best songs of the year rarely show up here. How many of these songs just play over the credits every single year? But I'll give us credit, only a few of these are credit songs, which is good, it's better than the Oscars normally do. Now we better get this over with before Diane Warren finds out where we live and gets revenge on us for not nominating her for applause. Uh, because the worst thing that could happen is Diane Warren shows up and makes us listen to one of her new songs. I just can't bear more Diane Warren. Let's just... Ugh. But the nominees for Best Original Song are Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, performed by Lady Gaga. Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, performed by Rihanna. Love is Not Love, from Bros, performed by Billy Eichner. Natu Natu, from RRR, performed by Kala Bairava and Rahul Siplegoni. 
And You Made It Feel Like Home, from Bones and All, written and performed by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And the winner is another tie between Natu Natu and You Made It Feel Like Home. Now the two winners have to Natu battle to decide who actually takes home the prize. And now, of course, for Christopher Nolan's least favorite award of the evening, Best Sound. I guess what I have to say about this category is, look, I don't care how good your sound is, I'm turning the subtitles on when I'm watching at home. But honestly, no great movie can have anything less than perfect sound. If your sound isn't perfect, the whole movie feels amateurish and falls apart. The artists in this category are masters at their craft, making invisible sound that we don't even notice is there. They have created immersive worlds in their sound mixing and editing. And here are the nominees for Best Sound. All Quiet on the Western Front. The Batman. Elvis. 13 Lives. And Top Gun Maverick. And the winner for Best Sound is The Batman. Film editing is important because without it, movies would just be a bunch of random clips thrown together like a badly organized PowerPoint presentation. And let's be honest, nobody wants to sit through that unless it's some sort of avant-garde experimental film that only you know film students pretend to understand. And I'm looking at all of you out there, the, the Skinamarink fans, but film editing is an art of taking those individual shots and turn them into a cohesive, compelling story that keeps the audience engaged. You know, it's kind of like playing a game of Tetris. You know, that upcoming Apple TV film that we all begged to get. Anyway, our nominees for Best Film Editing include Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. And we can't be completely original here at Fantasy Film Bowl because we do copy the Oscars and give the award to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Writing, on the other hand, is a thing that comes easy to some and very difficult to others. But these next batch of nominees are so vivid, so descriptive, and so creative with originating stories that it feels like, hey, that's me on the screen. And we appreciate a wide range of stuff to showcase these, you know, weird times I've had in the past year. I mean, there's that one time I was on a boat while eating seafood, listening to an old Russian guy who sells shit say, the ship is going under as I'm like puking everywhere to dancing at a bar mitzvah thinking I found the love of my life at the ripe age of 22. So our nominees for best original screenplay include Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Close, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, and Triangle of Sadness. And our winner for this category is Everything Everywhere All at Once. As I just mentioned, we had so many creative individuals invent stories, but to be honest to me, adapting a well-known and beloved IP seems like it would be a more difficult job. These can range from presenting the world's best detective in a brand new way, you know, without mentioning the Ice Age, focusing on a coming-of-age love story while the two lovers happen to enjoy the common pastime of devouring people, and even the widely known and beloved child story about becoming a real boy that just so happens to take place during Italy in World War II. Our nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay include All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Bones and All, Glass Onion, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and Women Talking. And our winner for this category is Women Talking. Well done. We love Sarah Polly here. So, very good win. 
And now for some fun categories that are just kind of out of the blue. Uh, our first one is the Redeemer Award, which is given to the best film that did not receive a single Oscar nomination. We figured this award would be a nice consolation prize to ease the blow of not having any noms at the Oscars, because we all know that the next best praise after being given recognition by a jury of thousands of your peers and respected colleagues is to be told that you did a good job by two mediocre white boys on the internet. These are the nominees for the Fantasy Film Ball Redeemer Award. Athena, directed by Roman Gavras. Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger. Bones and All, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Holy Spider, directed by Ali Abbasi. Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, directed by Matthew Warkus. And Nope, directed by Jordan Peele. And the winner for the Fantasy Film Ball Redeemer Award is Barbarian. The scariest movie of the year, one that I uh, was miserable while watching in the best way possible. This next category is about some of our absolute worst takes of this year. Uh, we've said a ton of dumb shit in this channel. You can go into any video and see a horrible take or <laughs> something that just didn't age well, or just some anything stupid that we've said. We've said a lot of stupid things. And this next category will go down as some of the dumbest things until next year, at least. This is the award for the biggest L of this award season. And the nominees are Dylan drafting Bardo first round in our game of fantasy film ball. What a bad call. That was Bardo first round when the Fablemans was still on the table. Ouch. Me saying that Searchlight would never prioritize the Banshees of Inisherin over Empire of Light and saying that you guys should all take Banshees out of your predictions and putting Empire of Light in. That was a horrible call by me. Really bad take right there. Don't worry, darling, being on my initial best picture list for like four months. How, how did that happen? I don't know, uh, but what an L. Dylan having Naomi Aki winning Best Actress for almost the entire year for I Wanna Dance With Somebody. That didn't age too well. Uh, do we even remember I Wanna Dance With Somebody? It came out three months ago and it's gone already. And of course, us both putting the sun in best picture and saying that Hugh Jackman might win best actor. I don't think you ever said him for best actor, but I know I sure did. So those are our nominees for the worst take. And the winner is, honestly, you guys can take your pick. All of these are our worst takes of this season. And uh, pick your poison. Which one's the worst? Because, I mean, I think they're all pretty bad. So in honor of holding the L, I'm going to keep an L on my forehead for this next category because, you know, memes are dreams that we will never forget. Instead of thinking of any funny way to introduce this next award, our recipient for best movie meme is just ready to morb. A film ensemble can truly be amazing when the actors work together like a well-oiled machine. In Women Talking, the ensemble cast was so in sync that it felt like they had been working together for years. In Glass Onion, the ensemble was like a finely tuned orchestra. Each actor had their own unique role to play, but came together to create a beautiful symphony that left the audience in awe. And of course it helps when you have talented actors like the beloved Michelle Yeoh, the fantastic Colin Farrell, or even Seth Rogen, who can bring their A-game to the table. But it's all about the 
collaboration and chemistry between these ensembles that really make a film shine. Our nominees for Best Ensemble include The Batman, Everything Everywhere All At Once, Glass Onion, The Fablemans, and Women Talking. And our winner for this category is Women Talking. Congratulations because yes, yes, Marky Mark, women are talking. Now we're on to the last four awards of the show, starting off with the award for Best Leading Actor. Our category here has six nominees, but if you go by the logic of the TV show Two and a Half Men, it's only five, based on two of these performances being children. Now, our six nominees in this category represent some of the best acting performances of this year, showcasing incredible range. And the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role are Austin Butler, Elvis, Eden Dambreen for Close, Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Inisherin, Rafe Fiennes, the Menu, Gabriel LaBelle, The Fablemans, and Jeremy Pope, The Inspection. And the winner for Best Leading Actor is Eden Dambreen for Close, which I definitely didn't expect to see that be our winner here, but um, I think that this performance is incredible. And if you haven't seen Close, it is truly some of the most heartbreaking acting work of the year. And this performance truly does deserve to be honored like this. So... Well done to Eden Dambreen. And on the other hand, in the actress category, this category shows some of the best work of the year, with roles that range from cannibalism to kung fu to murder to Kate Blanchett pretending that she doesn't care about award season while accepting her Critics' Choice Award. Here are the nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Kate Blanchett, Tar. Danielle Deadweiler, Till. Taylor Russell, Bones and All, Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tang Wei, Decision to Leave. And the winner is another tie between Taylor Russell for Bones and All and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Well done, ladies. Your performances showed such range and just incredible talent, and I can't wait to see more from both of you. A film director is the most important piece of the puzzle because they get to boss around a bunch of creative people and pretend like they know everything. Take James Cameron, for example. He thinks he's the king of the world just because he directed Avatar The Way of Water. Daniel's probably had a blast telling everyone what to do in the set of everything, everyone all at once. And let's not forget about Jordan Peele, who's probably still laughing about how easy it was to scare everyone with his newest nightmare, Nope. But in all seriousness, a good film director is able to bring together a team of talented individuals and guide them towards a cohesive vision for the film, like S.S. Rajamuli and RRR. They are responsible for overseeing everything from the script to the final cut, and their leadership can make or break a movie, as Sarah Polly did with masterfully with women talking. So, while we may joke about their inflated egos, let's give them credit where credit is due. A great director can turn a good movie into a masterpiece. Our nominees for Best Director include James Cameron for Avatar The Way of Water, Daniels for Everything Ever All At Once, Jordan Peele for Nope, Sarah Polly for Women Talking, and S.S. Rajamuli for RRR. And our winner for Best Director is The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All At Once. There are so many factors that can make a film worthy of a Best Picture nominee, and the criteria may vary depending on the individual and the Academy member, you know, me, Matt, who vote on the nominees. However, some common factors that are often considered include exceptional storytelling, technical excellence, critical acclaim, cultural impact, and innovation. 
Ultimately, our decision to nominate a film in Best Picture is subjective, and people may look at our nominees and think they're dumb, but hey, there are picks. Drop your picks in the comments. But ladies and gentlemen, let's not waste any more time and do our final category of the night for the 2023 Fantasy Film Ball Awards. First up, we have Avatar The Way of Water, James Cameron's long-awaited sequel that promised to just as blue as the first and I heard the only thing that's more impressive than the CGI is the budget. The Batman, a dark and brooding tape on the Cape Crusader that explores the gritty underbelly of Gotham City. I mean, we've never seen that before, right? Bones and All, a coming-of-age story about a girl who eats people just because sometimes a balanced diet just isn't enough to make you smile. Elvis, a biopic about the King of Rock starring Austin Butler as the man himself. I'm not saying he's too pretty for the role, but I'm pretty sure Elvis would never have cheekbones that in shite. And the next one I get to read off is EO about a little donkey who just travels around Poland for 90 minutes and finds its way into a lot of shenanigans. And I mean, if my life was as interesting as EO's, I'd be a happy little boy. And I'll do the second half of the lineup right here. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, one of the funniest movies of the year, a fantastic murder mystery that takes everything that Knives Out did and steps it up in, at least in our opinions. Uh, it is a man... Uh, it's a fantastic movie and deserves this nomination. Then Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, one of my favorite movies of the year, a magical retelling of a classic tale that we've seen a million times before, but we've never seen it quite like this. Using dark elements, talking about life and death, fascism and political indoctrination, this movie shows that the master of monsters has so much heart, has so much depth. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And the next nominee is Everything Everywhere All at Once, a mind-bending journey through a multiverse of madness, much more mad than the actual multiverse of madness this year. This movie is a journey into positivity. It's a film that acknowledges that the world is pointless and sad and scary, and it gives us the choice to be happy within that noise. It's a beautiful movie and one that will stand the test of time. RRR. Uh, one of the most insane action movies of the year, and one of my absolute favorite movies. This film is like if The Fast and Furious took speed injected directly into its heart. It is a non-stop action movie where every single fight sequence makes you think they're never going to top this, and then little do you expect five minutes later, they've topped it, and then they keep topping it over and over for three entire hours. This movie is a goddamn miracle. Triangle of Sadness, uh, a satire on the fashion industry that made me cackle through the entire thing every single time I've watched it. It is a beautifully made film. It has a lot to say, uh, and it's one that is going to stick with me for a very, very long time. And finally, Women Talking one of the most exceptional and sensitive movies of the year. A drama about a group of women talking, just as the title says. And yet this movie just about a group of people sitting in one room feels so epic and cinematic through the dialogue and the brilliant performances and the great camera work and costume design. This is a cinematic marvel uh, that somehow isn't depressing at all. It's a beautiful movie about hope and about forging a path forward, and it is one of my favorites of the year. Those are your nominees for Best Picture. May the best film win. 
uh, or at least the one with the most sequels. Uh, but for real, all of these films are winners, and whatever we choose as our best of the year doesn't take away from the achievements made by all of these other films. Well, in true fantasy film ball passion, we, we, we strive to be original, but we do copy the Academy at the end of the day because our winner for Best Picture is everything, everywhere, all at once. Academy copied us. Is what I'm gonna say. That is true. You you did call I've been it calling way before it since they said May. It. I've been saying that this is is gonna win, and they heard me and went, ah yes, we will do what random boy on internet says and vote for best picture. I mm. caused it. That I'm that's gonna... that's how the academy works. They see I'm random boy online. Like I want to do that. Exactly. That is why we have 190 subscribers, and all of them are the most important voters in the academy. Well, they're the most important voters and viewers to me, and I very much appreciate anyone who made it this far into the awards show. As I mentioned before, please drop down a comment of what some of your personal takes would be throughout the show. As I mentioned, we are just two people. We may have snubbed something that you would have loved or over-nominated something that you really didn't like, but I would love mm -hmm. to hear what some of your nominations and winners would be in some of these various categories, especially the, the new ones, like the ones that aren't at most award shows, like music supervision mm -hmm. or mocap or anything like that. Yeah, some of the most interesting things here, I mean, The Banshees of Inisherin only has one nomination, I believe. Uh, Tar only has one nomination. There's a lot of things that we uh, did not really nominate much that a lot of people really love and that we also really do like and, and love. But uh, just to fully be transparent, how we did this award show, we both dropped our top 10 in every single category and then we added up the points. And the, the movies that kind of ended up having the most points from both of us ended up being our nominees, which is why you see such strange batches of films in all of these, because these are uh, these are the films that we, for the most part, agreed on the most. Yeah, and I, I think just looking around, we had 11 Best Picture nominees, so yes, Critics' Choice, we can over-nominate as well. Um, and these nominees range from the most of 12 to the most little at 3, with Triangle at Sadness, which kind of copied its Oscar stuff we just replaced directing with musical supervision, because to me, that's one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, well, I, I mean... There's definitely some big snubs that I see here, some things where just because of the way of how we voted, where I'm like, oh my god, how did we how did we not give Dolly DeLeon uh, a nomination? How did we not end up nominating um, one of the Banshees boys? How did we not end up... All of these things, they make sense for us on a personal level, but it, it feels a bit weird when you're looking at it in the context of the awards season. But that's what happens when you have two random dudes on the internet uh picking the awards these are our awards they're not yours uh, and it's just our our opinion so don't murder us for uh for not including anything from banshees not even the screenplay don't murder us over that hey we, we gave Please. banshees a double nomination in the category that really matters and best live action animal performance that is true i forgot about those nominations but other than that it's just colin farrell who yeah that's that's very interesting. Another interesting thing to note is that a lot of the time our winners are just the ones that we both were like, yeah, this is this is almost my favorite. So we have a few categories here where it wouldn't have been either of our votes, but uh, rather than having a billion ties, we kind of tried to, you know, balance it out a little bit more. But it made for some really interesting results. 
It is. And I think the thing I'm happiest to say about the first annual Fantasy Film Ball Awards is that Jackass Forever walks away with two nominations. Two nominations and one win. That's exactly. pretty cool. Exactly. That's more That's than pretty, any other award cool. show can say for this movie. That's pretty cool. I mean, the um, the Boston Society of Film Critics did give it best ensemble, which is really cool. We added stunts and choreography. We did add stunts. Stunts and choreography, of course. But those are our awards. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed watching uh, some of our favorite films of the year. We hope that you are inspired to maybe go check out some of the films here that you have not seen because uh, we assure you these are good, good movies. And to everything that is snubbed here, we still probably really like it, but um, it just didn't it didn't make it in with our our weird method of voting. I know Babylon Hive. I'm I'm sorry to fail you out there. We only walked away with one nomination, zero wins. I know you're you're part of the Babylon Hive. I know I'm not as hot on Babylon, which is probably where that came from. This is this is how it goes. And you know if if you didn't have something ranked number one in a category and someone didn't have it in at all. It just doesn't happen, you know? So it's uh, it's an interesting way how this all worked out, and I had a lot of fun. Well, once again, thank you everyone for tuning into this edition, and I cannot wait to see what we do next because we're into the new award season. This officially marks the end of season one. We're now in season two, 2024, Oscar nominations. We're coming at you. We're coming at them hard, especially because it's March and Rye Lane is coming out soon. It's going to be on this list next year. I know it. And I can't wait for y'all to see that goddamn movie. It's incredible. But until next time, my name is Dill. And my name is Matt, and this is Fantasy Film Ball. Thank you for tuning to this episode of Fantasy Film Ball with Matt and Dill. Keep up to date with us on Twitter at FFilmBall. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. We even upload a video format of the podcast to YouTube if you want to see our faces. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show, and come back next week.